Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 61. Today we are talking the challenges stage of the IEM Katowice Major 2019. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? So there's a lot of Counter-Strike news this week. So much has been played. We're just going to keep this podcast to a news-only episode. We had the very first week of the IEM Katowice Major 2019, the Challengers stage, wherein 18 teams were playing for eight spots in the group stages of the Major. The eight teams to go through were NRG, Renegades, Vitality, Ents, Ninjas in Pajamas, G2, Cloud9, and Avangar. And just before we get to a rundown of each day and the matches played, there was a little bit of drama on Twitter that we should cover because it has actually changed the way Counter-Strike is played. It uh, was instigated by Taco, he of MIBR, when he complained about the radar smoke bug wherein which a player can see another player on their radar just uh, mere seconds before the actual smoke clears in between them. Certain players had gotten used to using, abusing this bug, quite famously Glaive and the Astralis boys, after Nico complained about it six months ago. Nico obviously doesn't have the cachet with the developers as Taco does because this was patched two days before the actual major started itself. Let's move on to the first day of the challenges stage. These were the Swiss stages, the best of ones. I'm going to go through each game pretty quickly just to give you an idea if you didn't get to watch them we had Fnatic versus Vici Gaming Fnatic went down to Vici on overpass this was a bit of a surprise Vici were obviously the underdogs in this particular matchup we had Renegades versus Avangar Renegades beat Avangar on train Jame on Avangar was looking very good but Gratisfaction was also looking very good and Renegades team play was looking sharp for the first time in a very long time as a fan it was pretty exciting. Next up, we had Cloud9 versus Greyhound. Cloud9 weren't looking too good. They were looking a bit sloppy, a bit uh, puggy. Kia was looking uh, pretty sharp, proving that winning majors means you don't really give a shit when you're playing on the big stage. But Greyhound looked kind of rattled. They were doing retakes one by one. They seemed a bit intimidated or kind of shaky, um, which kind of sucked because they obviously had some strats, which we haven't really seen out of them in a, in a big way in the past. They had a lot of bad luck in this game, but it did come out later on that one of their players, which possibly means more of their players, had the flu at the time. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you'll know I've had the flu twice in the last month and I couldn't do crap. So the fact that these guys actually got as close as they did in all their games is a bit of an asset. Vitality versus Tyler was next. Tyler won this on Inferno. Tyler were looking fantastic in this tournament. Vitality were looking a little bit lost. Vitality, uh, Tyler, I should say, had more ideas than usual, which was exciting to see. Perhaps this is the addition of their coach, Jonta, he of Hellraiser's fame. Next up, we had G2 versus Vega Squadron. Uh, G2 won this 16-14 on cash. Neither of these teams looked like they were firing on all cylinders. It was back and forth, a bit sluggy. We had Ents versus Spirit next. This was on Nuke. Ents were clearly the better team than Spirit. They beat them 16-10. Ents have had quite a good nuke now for about six months. I don't know what spirit was uh, thinking, choosing it against nuke. 
we had Ninjas in Pajamas versus Furia. And Furia were one of uh, the... They were underdogs for sure, but they're also a lot of people's... Um, what's the term? Black dog? What's? It's not black dog. That's for depression. Uh, Dark Horse. <laughs> Dark Horse to win this tournament. Um, but this was Ninjas in Pajamas' best map in 2018, and they managed to win it out 16-6. Fury were looking a bit nervous, some shaky aims, a little shaky in their strats. Perhaps the nerves were getting to them on the big stage. Then we had NRG versus Windstrike. NRG were looking on fire. They won this. They played it out on Nuke. And they just kind of looked like an older team as well, a little more cohesive. They had more team play and looked like the rotations and the the assists were coming more instinctually to them. Daps actually came out later on and said this map choice was a bit of a misclick. So fair play to NRG and embarrassing to be Windstrike. Then we had Greyhound versus Vitality. Now, Greyhound were actually up in this match, 13-2. This was on the CT side, and we'll talk more about CT sides in this entire tournament later on. But Vitality came back to win it overtime, 1917. This is on Nuke. Uh, I think Greyhound had a bit of a lackluster T side. I think they have lackluster T sides kind of in general. And I think Vitality have a lot of experience in holding angles. And I think that, coupled with some ridiculously missed shots from Greyhound, especially Sterling, who it seems is losing his nerve a little bit like predicted in the larger you know, stages... Made that the meant that even though this was a pretty close victory, I didn't really feel like Greyhound had it in the bag at any point, <laughs> even though they're up 13-2. Then we had a Vanguard versus Fury and Nexus is a narrow victory to a Vanguard. This is on Mirage. Jame was top fragging again. Jame has emerged as an absolute crazy superstar in this tournament, and Caserato was doing good things as well. We've pointed out Caserato and Yuri in particular on that team in the qualifiers and the minors but Vanguard was just too good then we had Windstrike versus Fnatic Windstrike won this 16-11 on train Windstrike are looking like a very formidable train team and at this point I have to say as a spectator it was feeling like a bit of a foregone conclusion that Fnatic were going to bomb out of this major if you'd seen my pickums on the discord or on the twitter you will know that I did not put them as 3-0 I did put them to go through but I think like a lot of other people I fell victim to what's it called familiarity bias where you just associate fanatic with majors even though i didn't feel like they'd been looking good for a long time well basically since exist came in and flusher left uh windstrike as well on a bit of an upswing and this map had their hardest frag and norbert bottom fragging which just goes to show that the rest of the team are no slouches when it comes to fragging especially my boy boomich on the org on ct side on train pretty banging then we had Tyloo versus Cloud9 they creamed Cloud9 Tyloo creamed them 16-3 and it looked like Tyloo would really been doing their homework which is kind of unusual <laughs> at least that's the impression I get with Tyloo they've come up with some new strats they were drilling their dyads and triads and trade setups but I think more than anything this just shows how uh, this map especially shows how fragile Cloud9 is there's just not a huge amount of solid backbone or structure to that team which is not not really a surprise considering the master of pugs uh, flusher is in charge of the uh, in-game leading duties then we had ents versus g2 ents destroyed g2 on overpass this was uh, another example of what felt like a really oiled team in ents who've been playing solidly over the last year seemed to have a lot of uh, team chemistry versus what was feeling like a bit of an unpredictable, unpredictable, unpracticed shambles in uh, in G2. 
I'll be more on G2 in a moment. We had Ninjas in Pajamas versus Renegades, and apparently these guys hadn't played each other since 2016. What was nice as a Ninjas in Pajamas fan was to see that they had a few more strats up their sleeves. They'd obviously been developing during the break. It's about bloody time. But Renegades were just too strong and won this best of one. The last of the two best of ones on day one was Vici Gaming versus NRG. This is an overpass. NRG won this quite easily. Stomped them, in fact. Then we had Spirit versus Vegas Squadron. This is a 16-14, very close scoreline. But neither of these teams actually impressed me with the cohesion. Like uh, one of the aforementioned games, it was a bit sluggy, a bit puggy. There was nothing too impressive going on. Day two, we had some more best of ones, starting off with Vitality versus Vegas Squadron. Vitality rolled over Vegas Squadron 16-1 on overpass. And it felt a bit like Vitality kind of woke up whatever they... Uh, spoke about in the hotel room after day one was effective. I don't think Vega were looking very good at all on this major, but uh, Zywu turned up, NBK turned up, and they were just kind of unbeatable. We had Avangar versus G2 as the next best of one. This was an overpass. Avangar won this 16-10. And at the time, for someone who's prone to uh, narrative exaggeration, this felt like, to me, the disintegration of G2. Shox was basically the only one in their team who went positive in this map. Even though it was a bit of a masterclass from Buster, and I felt like this is kind of the first time a Vanguard really had a good chance to go through. Not the first time they had a good chance, but the first time I felt they had a good chance overall. I didn't have them in my pick'ems. I thought they'd been too up and down last year, but uh, as I said, I felt like this was a death knell for G2. I was shortly to be surprised, but this was a disastrous game in my eyes. Then we had Ninjas in Pajamas versus Windstrike, and for some reason Ninjas in Pajamas picked Train. <laughs> Windstrike won this 16-6, and Nip just looked like they were being read by Windstrike hardcore. Uh, what's, what was interesting as well during this match was that Forrest was sitting in the middle of the players. If you are a Ninjas in Pajamas fan, you'll know that Lecro, being the IGL, usually sits in the middle. He had moved across, and Forrest was sitting in the middle, and Lecro was next to Get Right. I panicked and thought that Forrest might have been IGLing, which I didn't think was probably a very good thing, considering he's done it before to not much success. But apparently, Lecro just wanted to see what was going on on Get Right's screen while he was lurking, and Forrest just wanted to be next to Rez, with whom he plays bomb sites. Then we had Cloud9 versus Vici. This was on Inferno. Vici won this 16-6. This is another example of the lack of ideas on the T side for Cloud9, who were just shown up by a more cohesive side on Vici Gaming, which for a lot of people was quite surprising. <laughs> I can't say I was too surprised, but then again, I had no expectations going into it. Cloud9 took some very bad gambles, didn't seem to make any of the right calls in terms of which side they stacked, whereas Vici seemed to read them really well. And once again, we saw an incredible game from Kays or Kaze who is uh, very quickly emerging as a star in the Chinese scene. Then we had Ents vs. Renegades. This was a best of three. Renegades won the first match, first map 16-7 on Nuke, and that's very impressive considering the fact that Ents, as I said before, have one of the strongest nukes, nukes or at least did until this map matchup uh, in the whole uh, scene. Then they actually managed to win the second game, 16-14 on Mirage, which put them through as the first 3-0 team, uh, confirming my pick'em, which, as I explained, I made mostly out of a sort of sense of uh, optimistic patriotism. But I did have a feeling about the boys, and I was proven correct, as were a lot of other people on uh, the old Reddits, which I found out later on. 
So that was very exciting. Uh, JKS went absolutely off in this series. Gratisfaction was very solid, especially in some tight clutches. And I did really feel like, as I mentioned at the start, this was the very first time I felt in a long time that Renegades actually had a very solid team. And I felt like they were doing little bits of everything. They were anti-stratting. They were coming up with their own strats. They were hitting their shots. They were communicating, and they weren't tilting. It's very good stuff. And obviously, there's a bit of chemistry going on between old mate Kassad and old mate Azza. It appears that Azza's reluctance uh, uh, donning of the mantle of the leader has worked out, and perhaps his calm demeanor has uh, been exactly what this team's been needing for a while. Then we had NRG versus Tyloo in another best of three. NRG won this in two games. It was very close, 16-14 and 16-12. And this was one of the best matchups in the new Challenger stage. If you didn't watch any of it, I'd say this is one of the ones you might want to watch. Just goes to show who the top teams really are, in fact. What was interesting, what was really interesting about this, was an interview with I'm a Pet on HLTV afterwards where he spoke about uh, really knowing Tyloo's number. And perhaps other teams used this as part of their strategy when they were facing Tyloo and just didn't mention it to HLTV. But he talked about watching Hellraiser's games. As I mentioned, that is where Jonta, the new coach, came from. And the way he described it, he simply just anti-strated them and prepared for them as if they were Hellraiser's. Uh, one of the interesting things as well is that because all the teams seeded themselves at this stage... As in, they ranked each other, and that was how the seeds were. Um, you know, that's how the teams were seeded. They knew that Tyler would put them as the number one team, and therefore would play them a little more cautiously, or play against them a little more cautiously, especially at the start. After which, they would go into their usual crazy, aggressive Chinese style. So that's a fascinating interview, and a bit of insight into the genius behind the boys in NRG. Next up, we had Fnatic versus Greyhound. And this is a best of three that was a sh- you know a bit of a kick in the gut to all the Aussie fans out there. And as uninspired as Fnatic had looked up until this point, they were still able to beat Greyhound 2-0 on Inferno and Overpass, kicking Greyhound out of the tournament. Now, I put Greyhound as my 0-3, thus confirming myself as some sort of savant in the Pick'em stage. Uh, I guess I can claim patriotism to have put the Renegades 3-0. I can't uh, obviously say that with a straight face when I admit that I put Renegades uh, Greyhound 0-3, but I really felt like these guys aren't ready. Their play isn't mature yet. I don't know if they're mature or not as guys, but uh, I feel like their CS hasn't quite matured. And there's a lot of things to say about that because obviously there's a lot of factors that go into playing CS at a mature level. But that's, I think, for another 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 um, episode. Fury versus Spirit was the next best of three. Fury took down Spirit 2-0. I didn't actually see this match, but this was Spirit's last, kicking them out of the competition. They were outclassed by the upstarts from Brazil. Day three began with a best of three versus uh, Vici versus Vitality. Started on Inferno. And what, oh, an interesting stra- uh, stat, stat that was read out by Sponge during this map was that Vici, by this point, had won 100% of every single round after losing the pistol round. I don't mean every single concurrent round, but every round straight after losing a pistol round. So these guys had obviously practiced their pistol, uh, their post-pistol rounds, their little echoes, which is um, kind of an incredible way to do things. There was a weird moment in this um, that I noted on Discord where Alman 
looked like he had a lock on the wall. And I don't usually comment on this kind of thing uh, because they can always be explained by randomness. There's nothing definitive in the evidence. And calling out a pro for being a hacker is definitely not a great uh, look. But it was so weird that I actually logged onto Twitch or, you know, opened up Twitch because I usually watch it on HL TV. Um, and the whole Twitch chat had noticed it at once and how weird it was. So that was a bit weird. Anyway, eventually Vitality won out Inferno 25-22 and then beat these guys on Nuke 16-12. Vici Gaming definitely made a name for themselves, however, and have uh, brought a bit more attention to the Chinese CSGO scene. So that was exciting. Uh, Tyloo versus Avangar was the next best of three. Avangar won 2-0 in an incredibly close series. Bentet pulled out some massive clutches, of course, the IGL of Tyloo. But the team as a whole just didn't seem as balanced as a Vanguard right now. They're two new players, Summer and Attacker. They were bottom fragging in the best of three. That doesn't mean that necessarily they're rusty. If you recall, these guys used to play on Tyloo and then were brought back after uh, a while to replace uh, Captain Mo and DD. But uh, it could be that they were brought in to be support players for the other three superstars, which means that they spend most of their time flashing and dropping guns which only really works if you are highly polished. And I think it's worth noting that the top-rated team at the end of this tournament was NRG, and they also had the highest amount of successful flashes. So two stats that go hand in hand. Avangar went through uh, as part of this map to the next stage. I did not pick them to go through. As I said, I thought they'd been a little bit up and down. I don't think they'll do that well in the next stage, but we'll see. They've been pretty impressive thus far. We had Cloud9 versus Fury as the next best of three. Cloud9 won this two to one with a crazy series because they lost the first map, one to 16, which was their pick of Mirage. And then they won the second one, 16-1, which was Fury's pick of Inferno. They finally closed it out in a close game on Cash. That's another series that I think you should watch if you missed all of these games because it's a goodie. Fury were knocked out of this competition. They also put themselves on the map, however, much like Vici. Then we had Ents versus Windstrike. Ents won this 2-1. to one. This is one of the closer matches for sure. This is two teams with a lot of fire and young, exciting talent. But Ents, I think, had the better cohesion. They felt like the team that had been together the longest, as indeed they had. Ents were through with this map to the next stage, with this game, I should say. And uh, that was exciting for all the Finnish fans, but uh, not that surprising for anybody who's been paying attention to the incredible progress that team has made in the last year. The next best of three was Ninjas in Pajamas versus Vegas Squadron. NIP managed to win this out 2-1, but it was one of those matches, these uh, best of threes, where I held my breath and squeezed my butthole for the entire time. Not only because it was quite close, but because it was Vega who knocked out, uh, knocked Ninjas in Pajamas out of the uh, major cycle for the first time in CSGO history less than two years ago. This one was definitely a victory for the OG NIP fans. Vega Squadron were knocked out of this tournament and like I said, didn't make a huge impression on me. I think they've got a lot of work to do if they're going to make a splash in between majors. Then we had G2 versus Fnatic and this is the one I thought surely would go the way of Fnatic considering how lackluster G2 had appeared thus far. But apart from winning Mirage, Fnatic got rolled on Dust2 and Overpass and they were knocked out of the group stages of a CSGO major for the first time ever. Or rather, I should say, they were knocked out before they made the group stages of a CSGO major for the first time ever. I think this uh, just goes to show two things, that Flusher was probably integral to that team's success 
if you recall, uh, it was last year at the same event where he was the Magic Dust that won them the event. And secondly, I think it shows that Exist has brought little that inspires to the way this team functions, including very little fragging power whatsoever. In fact, he uh, had an excurate-like performance on the last map overpass, only managing four frags in the entire game. Now, it's worth saying uh, that Andreas Samuelson, who's the team director, came out on Twitter saying there'll be no changes to the lineup despite the clamoring for mostly the removal of Exist. Uh, he has determined that there will be no changes until the WESG tournament coming up relatively soon, which you'll also recall Fnatic won. And one of the rep- responses to his Twitter pointed out a very good point. It was only shortly before the IEM Katowice tournament last year where Fnatic had their lowest point in a very long time, where they bombed out in the groups at Star Ladder and then went on to win Katowice and WSG straight after. So who knows? The lower this team falls, perhaps the faster they will rise up. Anyway, that was the end of day four. Let's move on to day five, the final day of the Challenger stage. We started off with Ninjas in Pajamas versus Vici Gaming. This was another nail-biter considering how good Vici looked throughout the entire tournament. Incredibly, the 30-year-old Forrest top-fragged, one foot in the grave. He manages to get 63 kills over the three maps. Alman, the guy I sort of passively aggressive might have been cheating at a major... <laughs> The ball's on me. He top-fragged out of both teams, so he did an amazing job. Nip had a much more even spread. Vici definitely had some holes in their playstyles. I felt like they had a bit of a lack of discipline when it came to running through smokes and over-rotating, that sort of thing, sort of the knee-jerk reactions that didn't seem quite as pro and studied as Nip. But they definitely impressed, especially Kaze, as I mentioned before, who had some monster moments and I think is definitely one to watch. So Vici Gaming were out and Ninjas in Pajamas were through. Very exciting. Next up, we had G2 versus Tai Lu. This is one I thought would definitely go to Tai Lu. And they won Mirage, 16-12. But then they got railed on Dust 2, 16-2. And lost cash pretty convincingly, 16-7. What we saw here was definitely the dismantling of Excurit, who uh, I referenced before, but perhaps it was a... Slight, I just like to jump the gun on that because he only got four kills on Dust 2. I should say he had an Exist-esque performance here. This also seemed like a bit of a screw-up in the veto for Tai Lu. I don't exactly know what went down, but it didn't seem like they actually had the map pull for this. Tai Lu were kicked out of the tournament with that, and G2 were through. I think Tai Lu actually can hold their heads high with their performance here. Jontas obviously made a huge difference to the team. People often bang out, bang on about the uh, communication difficulties they must have, uh, you know, with different players on the team speaking different languages. But, um, you know, I think they put up a very, very good showing and took a lot of teams to the edge. So it would be disappointing for that team, but uh, I feel like they're making progress, which is great. Cloud9 versus Windstrike was the final best of three and it was another nail-biter. Another one. That's right. Cloud9 won this, first convincingly on Nuke and then on a highly contested overpass that went into overtime. On Windstrike, we should just mention, Kvik was the top fragger. Norbert did his bit, but he wasn't the star they needed, uh, and Waylander really didn't frag enough at all. I don't, I don't know whether you would you would dismantle this team in any sort of way after this. They, they were really, really impressive um, in terms of what they achieved in this major. Uh, but you have to give some props to Cloud9, especially Flusher, who not only IGL but rated the highest out of both teams. 
don't think it was anything convincing from Cloud9. However, I don't think they seem very cohesive. They're still kind of smacking around that puggy style. We saw, you know, had we had some fun with it at um, tournaments like I buy powers, I buy power masters. But I don't think they're they've necessarily they've necessarily got the uh, gumption to take them far in the next stage. So just to reiterate, that was the last map of the Challenger stage. The teams that went through were NRG, Renegades, Vitality, Ents, Nip, G2, Cloud9, Avanga, and they are now going to face the Legends, Astralis, FaZe, Na'Vi, Liquid, Complexity, Big, Hellraisers, and Maiden Brazil. The top-rated players of the Challenger stage were, in descending order, Breezy, Azza, Ethan, JKS, Zaiwu, Jame, NBK, Fox, Fox, <laughs> Shox, Forest, and Gratisfaction. So let's just let's just reiterate. We got three Australian players in the top ten highest ranked players in the major new challenger stage. That's incredibly exciting. Uh, as I said, my pickums were right in terms of Renegades and Greyhounds. Uh, like everybody else, I assume Fnatic had enough juice to at least make it through. As did Windstrike, and I felt like G two looked a bit too tired. G2 managed to rally in a way that surprised me a lot. I guess it comes down to Lucky and Jax relaxing on the major stage and Shox and Kenny just pulling out the things that we know they can do. Uh, <clears throat> I also didn't believe in uh, Avanga. But one fact that uh, has been brought up a couple of times is the difficulties in the players seeding each other and seeding each other's teams. And I guess it can be illustrated in the fact that Windstrike... Uh, who didn't make it through, had such a more difficult route to take than other teams who were ranked higher than them that in some way, if, if you look at what who they faced, it kind of feels a bit unfair. Windstrike were rated, I think, if they weren't last, they were second or third last. And because of that, they played a very hardcore gauntlet of the top teams, NRG, Fnatic, Ninjas in Pajamas, Ents, and Cloud9. Whereas Nip, because they were ranked in the middle or close to the top, had to play Furia, Renegades, Windstrike, Vega, and Vici. So in some ways, the seeding kind of didn't work because the better teams just faced easy opponents and the easy opponents, or the, you know, the, the worst teams just face hard opponents. So there wasn't really a spread of opponents in the end. I don't know whether there'd be a better solution to this, but uh, I think it was I'm a pet who mentioned that it, it would be better off if all the teams sat around with the tournament organizers and talked about it seriously just to ensure that no one made their seedings, you know, flippantly. And which is perhaps why, as he suggested, Greyhound weren't ranked last and they were instead ranked, I think, 13th. And a team that was far better, Windstrike, was actually at the bottom. Um. Now, for the next stage, for the uh, group stages, the legend stage, uh, I have picked to go 3 nil. Um, who have I picked? I just had it in front of me. Um, who is it? <laughs> I can't remember the bloody teams. It's midnight here. I'm trying to get this out before I go to work very early in the morning. Okay, here we go. NRG, of course. Of course, I think they're on fire right now. And uh, probably warmed up a hell of a lot more than the other teams, although they've got a lot more evidence for teams who are really strat-heavy and anti-strat-heavy, like big, like Astralis, to look at. I think they're just popping off. 
I've put as my 03 Navi. Now, I may be putting too much stock in the recent dramas of Navi, and some have suggested that Zeus is actually trolling the entire scene by pretending publicly that Navi are having some trouble, and that uh, much like he did with Gambit, he's throwing a bit of chum out there for everybody to kind of latch onto while he actually turns around and quietly wins the major. So who knows? That may be the case. I just feel like there's upsets at every major. Even the face at London Major had a couple. And what bigger upset would there be? I mean, I guess Australis going 0-3 would be a bit of a crazy upset. But I think Na'Vi uh, going out 0-3 could actually happen if the atmosphere in that team is as toxic as it appears. The remaining seven teams I put through to advance are Ents, Stralis, FaZe, Renegades, Liquid, MIBR, and Big. I don't have faith in Cloud9. I don't know much about how Hellraisers are at the moment. Complexity, I don't think, have much of a chance of doing much at all. In fact, a lot of people put those as their 0-3. Uh, NIP, unfortunately, as much as I love them, I just don't think have anything fully surprising going on right now. G2 are very vulnerable, as we saw. Avangar, I think, are not world-class. I think James incredible, but I don't know if the rest of the team are world-class just yet. And Vitality, I think, are probably up and down. And in this in this case, in this occasion, I think perhaps Zywoo's nerves may get the better of him. Uh, but we'll see. I may be proven wrong. That's about it for the major news. There is one more thing uh, that we should talk about just very quickly that a lot of people are concerned about in some ways and that is that the fact that the ct sides are much heavily favored much more heavily favored in this tournament than the last major a lot of people put this down to the fact that the org is cheaper and has now become part of the meta in a way that is kind of amazing in the speed at which it's happened the org is obviously the gun that can be chosen by the uh, bought by the ct sides and not the t sides it gives you a vast uh, advantage especially when you're shooting at medium to long range because it has a scope and people are buying five orgs instead of five m4s in a way that they probably wouldn't have done at least two or three weeks ago and this is apparently giving the ct sides a much greater advantage than before this leads one to assume we'll see a bit of a change in the org perhaps the price or the spread after the major it kind of feels like a bit of a shame that such a game-shifting mechanic or meta has emerged so soon before the major. But in some ways as well, it uh, provides a little more narrative because you see OGs like Forrest being one of the highest-ranked players at the tournament and not using the org once. So that's pretty cool. Now, in final news, the next major has been announced. We haven't even finished this one, and Style Ladder has been announced as hosting the next major in Berlin. That'll be happening later on this year. The minors will start the second half of July and the major will begin August 20th with the grand finals taking place September 5th to September 8th. Now, this is the first time Starlight has hosted a major. Has hosted a major. This is despite the fact that they've been putting on events since 2012, so that's very exciting for them. There's been a bit of a hoo-ha uh, from the players, mostly in the Players Association, because it's going to be happening after the two-week player break, right after the two-week player break. I think that happened in Boston, perhaps. But it means that the players either spend their holidays boot camping or they turn up rusty, albeit tanned. That's the extent of the CSGO news this week, I'm pretty sure. I hope I've done a thorough job. My mind is 
a bunch of scrambled egg right now. If you have any feedback, the truth at the truth csgo.com. My Twitter is at the truth csgo. You can join the Discord. My pickums are up there too. Join in, show us your pickums, and we'll have a little fun debate as the matches play out. I'll have that open as I play, uh, but usually I'm at work, so I won't be able to talk, but we can chat via the text. Uh, music was by Beaufort. We are affiliated with CSGO 2 Asia, which hopefully are getting a lot more traffic now that Vici and Tyloo are back again on the map. Uh, if you have any suggestions, don't hesitate to let me know. And in the meantime, enjoy the major and enjoy the game.